some of you may know this, some of you may not, but apparently I have uh, somewhat of a reputation for taking a rather negative or dark side or view of Christmas. Um, Tom is always asking if I'm going to reprise my sermon, Christmas means the condemnation of the human race. Um, I will not do that today. But I, what I do want to talk about are the troublings of Christmas. It's not something we normally associate with Christmas. We talk about the joy of Christmas, the glory of Christmas, but not the troublings of Christmas. But I, I would suggest to you that this represents a selective remembering on our part. Certainly we remember the story of a pregnant, unwed girl. Yeah, but that turned out okay. But what about the slaughter of the innocents? That didn't turn out so well, did it? I know that Christmas is a time of joy, and it should be a time of joy, a time in which we remember that God came in the flesh. But I think we need to have a more thorough understanding, remembering of the gospel accounts, beginning with Joseph, who found out that his betrothed was pregnant, and is told by an angel, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Herod, who is troubled by the news from the Magi that there is a king of the Jews, he thought that he was the king of the Jews. And we heard read to us, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. When the angel appears to Zechariah, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. When Gabriel appeared to Mary, we are told Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. Um, the shepherds, uh, Titus read to us, there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. Interesting, in these last three cases, with Zechariah, Mary, and the shepherds, we hear the most repeated command in Scripture, do not be afraid. In each case, they are told, do not be afraid. And if we're not careful, we might say, afraid? It's Christmas. It's a time of joy and of celebration. But that's because we have forgotten the context into which Jesus was born. We forget that people did not know what we know. We tend to project backwards, anachronism as it's known, like the song, Mary, Did You Know? To which a polite answer would be, no, she did not. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? No, she did not. And if we're not careful, we project back, and so this is a time of joy for us, and we sort of expect that it would be for everyone back then as well. We forget that there had been no word from the Lord for four centuries. After centuries of God speaking to his people through the prophets, sometimes in very hard prophetic language, there's silence for four centuries. We may forget, even though Ben read to us, that they were under the Romans. They were under Roman rule. They were a conquered people. We may forget that the Jews were still in exile. Let me say a few words about that here. We've looked at this before. There is a profound sense among the Jewish people, even in the time of Jesus, that the exile had not ended. Why did they think this? I mean, they'd certainly come back from Babylon. Why did they think they were in exile? Because many of the promises God had made about the return from exile had not been fulfilled. The Lord had restored their fortunes, 
but the prophets had spoken of a time when the Lord would restore them. And that hadn't happened. Listen to Isaiah 35. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your Lord will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. When Jesus came into the world, he came to a people that saw themselves still in exile. And it is the coming of Jesus that marks the end of exile. We know that, but they did not, and they did not understand it. You may remember that the first Sabbath after his time in the wilderness, after his temptations, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is one of the prophetic passages from Isaiah 61 that points to the end of exile. And what did Jesus say after he rolled the scroll back up and sat down? Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, exile is over. And he demonstrated this over and over again. If you remember what I just read to you from Isaiah 35 about the blind being able to see and the deaf being able to hear. We see this in the miracles of Jesus. It actually begins with his very first miracle, the changing of water into wine. From Isaiah 25, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine. And then there's the feeding of the 5,000, as Tom spoke about. Uh, back in October. But at his birth, the people of Jesus were still in exile, and they did not know that exile was coming to an end. I think we tend to forget two important truths that will help us understand the darkness or the troublings of Christmas. The first is that we are fallen creatures, and because of sin, we are fearful by nature. We see this evidence in Adam and Eve, when they, uh, when they do what they should not do, Adam hides himself. The Lord God says to him, where are you? He says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. And that has been, in a sense, our default setting ever since they sinned. It is because of sin that he hid, and it is because of sin oftentimes that we are fearful, even sometimes when we should not be. But there are things that should inspire fear, if you wish, and that is the things which we would call supernatural, that these are awe-inspiring. From Leviticus 9, Moses and Aaron then went to the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. That is, there is a time of joy mixed with fear of awe and reverence. And then in Revelation 1, John the Beloved, as he was known, the closest disciple to Jesus, has a vision of the ascended Christ. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. 
I am the first and the last. I am the living I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I would argue that it is entirely appropriate as we read the Christmas story that Zechariah, Mary, and the shepherds were in fact disturbed, troubled, even afraid. We should not imagine that the appropriate response is sort of complacency or a sort of a blasé attitude in the face of that which represents the presence of God. Gabriel came from the presence of God to speak to them. I think because of the time in which we live, maybe it's just the culture, um, we, might, we might be tempted, I don't know how much, to think that, that Zachariah shouldn't have been afraid. That when Gabriel appeared to him, he should have responded by saying, what's up? What's up, Gabriel? And instead, we see in him and we see it in Mary and then certainly in the shepherds that they are struck by fear. We sing, we just sang the Advent hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which begins, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. We know that we have fears and that we are troubled, but somehow we seem unwilling to allow those at the first Christmas to have fears and to be troubled as well. The slaughter of the innocents is one of the most troubling parts of the Christmas story. Herod, in his cruelty, decides that they are going to kill all the male children from age two and under. And Matthew tells us this is, in many ways, demonstrates, this is an example of what is written in the book of Jeremiah. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because her children are no more. We studied this when we went through Jeremiah, but Rama is a place of weeping. It was the deportation center when the Jews were taken in exile to Babylon. It's the last place, if you wish, at home in Judah before they are taken away as exiles. And so it is a place of tremendous sorrow, a place of weeping and refusing to be comforted. And we see this at the cruelty of Herod when he kills all those baby boys. No wonder it is a time of great weeping. Rachel, the mother of Benjamin. Benjamin and Judah had remained together as a separate kingdom. There is weeping. Matthew chooses this passage to represent the deep sorrow of that event. And the fear is not finished. We did not read this part of the story, but in Matthew 2, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he, had, or when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. That first Christmas was marked by great sorrow and trouble and fear. And I think we shouldn't forget that. One of the great verses of the Christmas story is in Matthew 1.23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a quote taken from Isaiah chapter 7, a promise made to King Ahaz. After four centuries of silence, 
One should not imagine, and perhaps they did, that God was not present with them, that God was not present with his people. And if we read it that way, we may think God was absent for four centuries and now he's come back. The reality is God has always been with his people. The incarnation is not some new turn in God's disposition. It's like, oh, I guess I should be with my people. It is a new way of God being present. He has always been present with his people. But the incarnation is a new way in which he is present. You may remember earlier this year in the series on creation, I mentioned that I believe that even if there had been no fall, if there had been no sin, there would have at some point been the incarnation. That is God coming in physical form and living among his people. What changes because of the fall is sin, and sin brings fear. And so when we think of that first Christmas, there is fear, there are troubles, Herod is upset, he massacres babies, but Jesus has come into the world. God coming in the flesh is a continuation of what God has always been doing. He's the one who sought out the first humans when they sinned in the Garden of Eden, who came to Abram and calls him, who appeared to Moses in a burning bush to deliver Israel out of Egypt. The highest expression of God's presence is, no doubt, the incarnation, God in the flesh. One day, this will all come together, and we will be in the presence of God. Jesus has come once, he will come again. And when he comes, it will be to take his people to the new creation. But we don't have to wait till then for God to be present with us. We shouldn't imagine in this Christmas Sunday that God came in the flesh way back when, but in a sense, God is not with us today. God has always been with his people. Even in the midst of great darkness, and I think what struck me this year in preparing to speak on this Sunday was the darkness that was present in that first Christmas, the troublings, the fears, the uncertainties. Looking back, we're like, well, what's wrong with you people? Don't you know what's going on? No, they did not. In the same way that we generally do not know oftentimes in our lives and are troubled and are sorrowful and are sometimes in great darkness. But God is always with us. He is always with us. And his very presence transforms the nature of evil, the reality of evil. Because in this child who will one day grow up to be a man and be put to death, God has brought us redemption. Please don't misunderstand me. This is to be a time of joy because light has come into the world, into a world of darkness. But we shouldn't forget the darkness because otherwise, why does Jesus bother to come? In a sinful world, we might say, well, no, we know he has to come because we in fact are in darkness. And because he has come, we now have light. We should never forget that. We should never forget that. And we should, in our thinking, never minimize what the people that first Christmas went through. I think of Mary, how bewildered she must have felt for Joseph. 
I mean, I've had dreams, but I don't know that I always take them that seriously. And the shepherds, all of a sudden they see something in the sky. Let's not forget the darkness, but then let's remember the light. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are so grateful that you've sent your Son. And on this Sunday, in a particular way, we remember. In a way that we don't fully comprehend it. God in the flesh. The Creator coming as a creature. Mary going into labor. The child being pushed out. The umbilical cord being cut. It, it goes beyond our ability to understand. And yet your son came and lived among us and demonstrated who you are and told his people, both the Jews and the Gentiles, exile is over. For those of us who have been separated from you, we have been reunited. We are no longer cast out of your presence, but now are your children, your sons and daughters. We rejoice at the time of Christmas, but may we not forget what those people in the first Christmas went through. And remember that into the darkness came the light. May this be a time of joy for us as we remember the coming of your Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.